There was mental maze, DiMaggio and Mr. Robinson. Mental maze, DiMaggio and Mr. Robinson. He whipped many of them with just one hand. Yes, young Abe Lincoln make a tumble tall man. Young Abe Lincoln make a tall, tall man. Notable, prudent, clever, capable, industrious, thrifty. Earbuds and Earworms, I'm Amy, famous in my own mind, Shepard, and this is... Mitchell Manley, historically insignificant. Bullshit. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm significant in my own time, but historically, I will likely be insignificant. Well... Unless I do something really, really badass with my life, which, hey, maybe. Maybe. I'm not going to rule it out just yet. I did meet a doctor who listens to our show. Oh, really? And he said, oh my gosh, I'm kind of starstruck. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was like... Oh, <laughs> starstruck by a couple of schlubs. I was like, um, really? He's like, yeah, you're kind of famous. I was like, I wish really? we were famous. Really? Where did ad money? At? Actually, I'm glad we're not famous because we'd probably get in trouble for playing clips of songs. <laughs> yeah, on our I was podcast. just thinking, I was like, a lot of it's like, I don't, I don't want us to get too famous because um, somebody's gonna like copy. Was it copy strike? Yeah, Copyright exactly. Strike? Yeah. yeah, something like that. But I think that this falls into um, what was it called? Um, fair use. See, that's the thing. I've heard that like fair use is kind of weird and ambiguous when it comes to podcasts, but maybe that's just lawyers trying to take our money, so we'll consult them. We're not playing the whole song. So. I think that's where we're getting away with it. Yeah. And, and we're definitely using it for the sake of commentary. Right. And also, if there are smaller artists, I mean, I'm not boosting Taylor Swift's numbers. Yeah, I don't think I'm, so. No, but maybe like some other like artists that like I, we dig out. Yeah. Like there's some smaller people that we're I helping like, some folks yeah, out. We're trying to help. Like, that's our goal. But this week is about um, notable people. I yeah, think. sure. Like historical figures, but we wanted it to be kind of loosely defined because yeah. usually you think, okay, well, this is like a politician or something like that. But it could be historically uh, significant doctors or musicians or artists or right. and I can't surfers. Or <laughs> I can't remember who came up with this idea. I believe it was you. I don't you, know how. You, I believe... <gasps> Oh, you had I just woken sleepy. up or something. Or, yeah, yeah you were very sleepy. And you're like, I had this cross my mind. I don't know if we'll use it or not. And then yeah. like, all right, fuck it. Let's do it. Yeah. And um, I think like I let it sit for a day because I meant to post it before. And mm. then I fell asleep. So I didn't. And then uh, we posted it. So you slept on the idea. You I woke literally up and slept on the idea. Yeah. So uh, this week, significant figures, which I feel like I think we did really a good job of not like sticking with super obvious people yeah i agree yeah um what did you bring this week i'm gonna start us off with ellis paul and his song rachel carson rachel saw the bald eagle suffering high up in the canopy to the edge of the sea Wondered, wondering what could she bring to give a voice to the silence of the spring. And oh, that 
tearing the big trees down They're covering the crops with a cloud of spray And the bulldozers and the high-rises from town You come so close you can't hear the forest sound Yeah, Ellis Paul is one of my favorite singer-songwriters. He's put out something like 20 albums in the last 30 years, which is pretty damn impressive. Uh, this track comes from his children's album called The Hero and You, uh, which chronicles several people who Ellis Paul considers American heroes. And uh, The album also includes songs about Rosa Parks, Jackie Robinson, Albert Einstein, even some more obscure names like Augustus Jackson, who was an African-American chef who's kind of hailed as the father of ice cream because of his ideas and contributions to like modern ice cream production. Uh, this song, though, is about Rachel Carson, who was a marine biologist and environmentalist. Uh, she wrote a book called Silent Spring in 1962, which kind of shed a light on like indiscriminate use of pesticides and other chemicals that were just like wreaking havoc on plant and animal populations and even adulterating the drinking water. Uh, and that book is like seen today as one of the main catalysts that kicked off the environmentalism and conservation efforts that kind of emerged in the mid to late 60s. Uh, Silent Spring was definitely an eye-opener for me. I'm really glad that uh, Ellis Paul honored Rachel Carson with the song. Did you read it? Yeah, definitely. I feel bad because I've never read it and I always meant to, but I always like, uh, I've, I was like falling into the, um, you know, Mockingbird, like, genre stuff and i yeah, always sure. meant to like it's in the pile of books that i meant to like read yeah i just I had a bunch of hippie friends and you know whenever you hear a book mentioned a few times you're like okay now i'm curious about that and then i borrowed it and i was like oh i like swear i heard about it in third grade and i just never read it yeah i was like 20 or 21 whenever oh, yeah. I found like, it. it was a while i remember probably i know i'm a little older than you mm-hmm. um in first grade, there was, like, this huge kick on environmentalism and recycling and, like, how to maximize stuff. That's yeah. where I learned to turn the water off when I'm brushing my teeth and mm-hmm. stuff. And so I knew about it, but I just haven't read about it. And I know, like, so many concepts from it, but nothing about it. So uh, this song opens with, like, bird sounds and stuff like that. And then, you know, like, that last bit of bit of the clip is like i guess a bulldozer like yeah i think being that's, that's on or something. and it's like very much intermingling with rachel carson as a subject which i find absolutely genius um i said i know a little bit about silent spring and i've wanted to read it and i remember that it came out right after the ddt like messing with eagle yeah eggs. for sure and i do want to get on i was i always have a soapbox or as dakota <laughs> says amy you always have an opinion yeah um DDT is actually an organic pesticide. Right. So it's like, oh, organic doesn't always mean right. great. That's, so I always get on my soapbox and I was like, when you buy organic, you're not necessarily buying something good because DDT is organic. Luckily, the Environmental Protection Agency keeps that from being used because right. even though it's organic, it's terrible. Um, Silent Spring, as you said, was like the modern marker for the environmentalist movement. And it's just super laudable. And I'm so glad this song exists because, I mean, yeah, singer songwriters and hippies like go together perfectly. It's Mm -hmm. just, it's just genius. Like this is a genius composition. He's a brilliant songwriter. Yeah. Like um, just in the words, he did great, but like 
the actual production of it was yeah like the echo in his voice that Mm kind of kind of elicits that oh what we do echoes on into into the future and you know and i didn't notice like the first couple times i listened to this how like bill like his voice yeah he's got he's got a very particular uh kind of draw to his voice that i love it's just like very endearing he's got a particular set of skills indeed he does (laughs) yes um I went like a totally different era with my song. Uh, I brought Country Joe McDonald and Jerry Garcia's Clara Barton. Civil War veterans with tears in their eyes. Oh, how she braved battle to save their lives. She never ran from the shot and the shell, bringing aid and comfort in the midst of hell. happened yeah i brought something that was at all related to jerry garcia that's true <laughs> which um shocking also the song's not 20 minutes long so i'm like right thank happy. goodness yes um i guess he's the guitar player on this yeah he's playing the lead guitar on this track yeah that's generally what he does right uh yeah and he also sings in the grateful dead a bunch but yeah he, he plays he plays guitar mostly he's the lead guitar player yeah so i don't know anything about Jar- jerry garcia except for the grateful dead and those songs are really 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 long mm-hmm. but i brought something that jerry garcia has part of right he's made it to our podcast in some form finally now. like i was the person who actually brought I, i'm just shocked um I was trying to dig up like a song about any famous nurse, like Florence Nightingale. She's got some problems. She, oh yeah. She hated people of color, and also <laughs> she also hated men in nursing. Well, yeah. I mean, ma- hating men—that's that's okay. But yeah. But so I wanted to go with any famous nurses. I found sure. out in my research. Look, I actually researched mm-hmm. that. Walt Whitman was a Civil War nurse. I had no idea. Holy I had no idea either, but I couldn't find any specifics about it, so I didn't choose any Walt Whitman songs. And sure. every Walt Whitman song is actually something he wrote, so a lot of songs of himself. Yeah. Um. Either way, I brought Clara Barton, which a lot of people don't even, I, I don't think she's a common name. Yeah, not a household name by any yeah, means. Yeah, and I would think so because the American Red Cross is what she's known for. Uh, the Civil War uh nursing is what it was is like the red cross showed up started fixing folks after you know you know legs got blown off and all that stuff yeah so uh red cross i realize a lot of people don't like them and apparently um the american army hates them interesting do you know why i don't know why because in world war ii they used to provide free coffee and donuts to the or i maybe it's world war one yeah uh they provided free coffee and donuts but other european governments did not have free coffee and uh and donuts so they started charging for them so it wasn't a free service and yes yeah, so <laughs> there are a lot of people angry about that you would think 
they wouldn't be. But either way, uh, healthcare is complicated and people are complicated. And I, what can I say? Clara Barton just started bringing like healthcare to war zones. Um, we're actually recording super close to the Red Cross headquarters in Memphis. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's just down the street, and they actually provide training for you know disaster areas and stuff. Yeah. Um, I had to go there in nursing school. I mean, that's a good idea. Yeah. It's a good place for you to experience. So, but their biggest goal lately is now reducing house fires in Memphis. Interesting. Because we have a lot of old houses. Yeah. And we have a lot of people who live in poverty. Mm-hmm. So those two things with like not the safety of like, uh, you know, appropriate alarms. Yeah. And sometimes having to makeshift heat uh, can, yeah, it kills, it's going to lead to some problems. Yeah, it kills a lot of Memphians. So I was like, oh, Clara Barton, I think I'm going to like go down this road. Super singer songwritery, nothing more hippie than this. And I just love it as an homage to Clara Barton. And, you know, for this being a somewhat not as known name, except for among nurses, mm-hmm. I was excited that there was a song about her. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, before today, never had, <laughs> you know, I'd never heard of Clara Barton. So I've definitely learned something today. And is yep. that what it's all about? Other it than is the absolutely. hokey pokey is also what it's yeah. all about. <laughs> um, you know, I also saw in my research that she was born on Christmas. So I can confidently say Clara Barton was a <laughs> gift to humanity. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's there's a saying war is hell. And, and at that time, the Civil War, especially like having women on the battlefield was was pretty much unheard of. But but Clara was out there face to face with that horror, face to face with like the lives being ruined and lost by war. And she took that experience and turned it into something so selfless and benevolent. And there's just something so beautiful about like facing such a harrowing experience and not being jaded or disillusioned by it and not like resting on your laurels that you already did your part, but like double doubling down on that compassion and doubling down on that desire to like help people in, in need when they need it the most. That's real heroism, you know? Yeah. And it's you just amazing. Yeah. I, I find it like, I'm not really into like that, like nurses as heroes things. Cause I, sure. like for me, I feel like that's kind of like overkill. Cause yeah, certainly. just cause we put on a uniform doesn't mean we are heroes or anything, but the concept of Claire Barton founding like this huge foundation that does stuff for disasters yeah. and wars and stuff. And, for the world that's the thing is like the red cross is international and i think it's so cool that like one woman really like started it off yeah it's amazing i'll definitely remember her name and uh and her contribution for the rest of my life seriously it's it's amazing and it's because dorothea dix did not have any songs about her (laughs) yeah she's the one who came up with like modern uh psychiatric hospitals gotcha yeah so couldn't find anything you have to write your own on a ukulele (laughs) it's going to be upbeat (laughs) so there i don't know like how much did you have to like poke at people to give songs it wasn't too bad we got uh, a decent number and then i just reached out to a couple other folks and they 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 rounded it out for me you know because when i write the uh the prompt it sometimes does not work as well sure i do this week i think you did well i think this was just kind of an obscure one um and so we got less than normal but you know, it was a good a good theme. It's just kind of tough to come up with stuff yeah. on the fly, I think. Yeah, I think it is kind of. Because not a lot of people write about famous folks. And the other thing is, like, whenever you think historical figures, like I said, your brain, at least for me, kind of instantaneously goes to, oh, it has to be some famous general or, like, <laughs> some somebody we learned about from our social studies textbook. But, Ooh, okay. you know, it yeah, could have been. I see. I see where you're going. And yeah. so a lot of people kind of pigeonhole. Yeah, but I I feel like John S. John S. really changes it. Yeah, yeah. John S. brings Amen Dunes. Dunes. Mm-hmm. Is it Dunes? Uh, Mickey Dora. 
though, John says Mickey Dora, a famous surfer that only like surfers have heard of, I'm sure. It's a legit person, but I picked it because Amin Dune Dunes <laughs> needs more attention, in my opinion. Uh, I'll admit that I don't know much about any surfers. Yeah. Uh, this sounds some like there's like, I think like maybe the synth or something. I don't know. It sounds kind of like that dark jazz I've been mm-hmm. messing with lately, but poppier. And it's not a super direct, obvious, on-the-nose song. There's a ton of storytelling, and the atmosphere building here is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. There's, like, far less, like, super known things of, that you would even think about. Like, just the lyrics, kind of obscure. Yeah. Not necessarily a straight line about anything it's doing. It has this, like, surfery, lazy vibe that we get from watching surfers. But, like, I know that's not what surfing can be like at <laughs> yeah. all. Like, there's no way surfing is this calm because yeah, it seems like not. like the hardest sport in the world you're it's trying to tough. master water and then be on top of water you're trying to be jesus <laughs> you're trying to be jesus when you're surfing and it's, it looks like it's really hard it's a tough achievement yeah and then you have to be out in the sun and all we right. all know i don't like the sun. Yeah, enemy of the sun as yeah. well mm-hmm. uh yeah i'm with john here and that i don't know much about surfing i definitely don't know much about mickey dora but i do love amen dunes and uh easily one of their best tracks uh, according to the songwriter, Mickey Dora represents sort of this duality of human nature because Mickey Dora was renowned as a surfer and like embodied a lot of admirable traits and ideas about the world of surfing and living a good life. But he was also a racist and kind of a fraudster. What? So, yeah, he, he like he was this like super hyper masculine dude, but. He also, yeah, he was super racist and, like, got arrested for fraud at some point. His name's Mickey Doro. Yeah, I know. And so, yeah, this song kind of tangentially takes on, like, false heroes that we kind of idolize or how we, like, turn a blind eye to how horrible some of our favorite historical figures were. Uh, One thing I really love about this song is it has this, like, very yearning vocal melody the whole way through, and it hangs in this really airy, ambient musical atmosphere, so the vocal line seems very stark and bare bones, and my ears just, like, begging for vocal harmonies to really fill in that ambient texture, like, all the way through, but Amen Dunes, like, holds it back and, and builds this anticipation until the very end of the song, which finally, like, breaks the levee and lets those vocal harmonies flood into that spacious atmosphere and really take the mood over the top and then just ends the song on a really effective catharsis how did you find that mickey doro is like a a misogynistic like well his his wikipedia will tell you a lot of that but also genius if you look up uh the lyrics on the genius it talks about uh you know it has some interviews with the singer from this band and he's like yeah this guy's kind of a kind of a double-edged sword i can't recall where he was originally from probably california i would have to imagine why has he got to be racist? Yeah, I don't even know. How can like, you be racist when, like, all they have is, like, surfboards, skateboards, yeah, and roller dude. skates? Just be happy about life and, and love people. Isn't that what the surf lifestyle is about? Yeah. Apparently not to Mickey Dora. I didn't get any of that from the lyrics at all. Yeah. I didn't know that. I feel bad, but I like the song. It's a great song. It's a really good song. Like, I want to listen to it, like, all day. It's, like, gives me, like... Chill oh man, that outro with those with those harmonies though is just like, man, I just the whole time I really want them to kick in and just whenever they do, it's heavenly. It's like just leaves yeah, you kind of beautiful. wanting. Um, <laughs> Kayla's our next year buddy, and she brought uh, Peter Gabriel's Biko. Hey. 
never heard of Stephen Biko uh, or Steve Biko, which is what like most of the information is under. Um, generally, uh, when we learn what would little we learn about apartheid, it's uh, about Nelson Mandela. Yeah, and I would highly suggest delving into like Biko's story because it's really interesting. Um, how he was a medical student and he founded the South African student organization as a result of wanting uh, a less white people led organization against anti, uh, or I guess again against apartheid. Um, it's like, uh, the sad thing is he kind of ended very sadly. Mm-hmm. Um, much like what happens in many torture situations, uh, the police like beat him and caused brain damage and they like left him untreated for days and eventually killed him and there's just so much more to that story and it's super cool that peter gabriel wrote a song about him also um was listening to this and i was like wow this sounds a lot like genesis (laughs) but maybe phil collins and him like hung out a lot or something and i did two seconds of research and turns out they were both in genesis and um Duh. <laughs> so, well, I mean, at least your your uh, picker is on point there. You come know, on, you, you I wanna, figured it out. I want to like give myself a lot of credit. I actually researched a lot of for the two songs. Yeah. you've done research so I'm, far. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> so yeah, aside from what little bit I know about Nelson Mandela, I admittedly have very little knowledge about South African apartheid and the anti-apartheid movement. But the song definitely pushed me to dig around a little bit and learn a, a you know a little bit more. Uh, most interestingly, I was reading about Biko's frustration that most of the bigger anti-apartheid groups in South Africa were populated by white liberals. And like, while he was glad that whites were sympathetic to the cause of ending apartheid and fighting discrimination, a lot of the white activists were very paternalistic and like kind of essentially white splaining how that how blacks should go about their revolution. What, white people do that. Yeah, apparently so. <laughs> huh. And uh, yeah, so so Biko was of the opinion that like no matter how informed the white activists were, they could never fully understand the black experience under apartheid so he started groups that were only open to people of color who were like directly affected by apartheid and this may seem counterproductive from the standpoint of like racial equality but it helped people of color like clarify and more directly address the issues that they faced without that paternalistic influence and like obstruction from white folks uh, and yeah, like you said, his political activities got him in lots of hot water over the years. Eventually he was imprisoned and like brutally beaten by a prison guard, which was the ultimate cause of his death. But thankfully his ideas were already flourishing and spreading. And I think Peter Gabriel sums it up pretty well in the song with the lines, you can blow out a candle, but you can't blow out a fire. Once the flames begin to catch, the wind will blow it higher. And like by killing Stephen Biko, they had extinguished his flame, but he had already set flame to the segregationist establishment. And there's no extinguishing that, you know, like the ideas were already spread and the fire was already, uh, yeah, was already hot. And he only lived to be 30. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was was that young. Does that make you feel like you haven't done anything with your life? Yeah. I mean, for sure. Like this guy changed, (laughs) changed an entire culture. Yeah. And changed, uh, the conversation about like. Uh, apartheid really because you know everything was kind of being led by a completely different as you said paternalistic group who were Mm -hmm. just like well this is how you need to do well actually this is how you need to do it so yeah I like totally I want to learn more about him because he seems like such a a fascinating person and like incredibly smart like just genius I wish we had him he could have done so much, like if he lived past thirty. But I guess, as you said, by extinguishing the, that flame, they really yeah they you know, they fanned the flames even more so. Yeah, is 
Goodness gracious. White people. Just gotta say. Um, uh, Jason V. He is uh, bringing Dion's, I think I'm saying that right, Abraham, Martin, and John. Anybody here seen my old friend Martin? Can you tell me where he's gone? He freed a lot of people, but it seemed the good they die young. I just look around and he's gone. Didn't you love the things that they stood for? Didn't they try to find some So Jason says, uh, this week's theme is wonderful. I'd like to submit Abraham, Martin, and John, sung by Dion DeMucci, a.k.a. AKA Dion. Uh, It was written and recorded in response to the assassinations of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Robert Kennedy in 1968. It covers Abraham Lincoln and John F. Kennedy as well. It's a very beautiful song with a funky groove. The lyrics aren't complicated, but very poignant. And the great arrangement of woodwinds and heart hit me right in the heartstrings. I, I like, would love to, like, be in the writing room of when this was written. Um, but, like, I dug just enough to find out that it was written by Dick Holler of uh, Snoopy versus the uh, Red Baron fan. Oh, wow. Yes. You're... That's three songs. Yeah, three songs you've I'm, done research yes. for. We're adding so, it up today. <laughs> yes. Amy's going to get a raise. I know. Um, but it was recorded by a ton of folks. And so there's, like, I believe... Um, Marvin Gaye recorded this, and Ray Charles recorded oh, interesting. this. Yeah, so uh, it was specifically, as Jason said, written after um, Martin and Bobby Kennedy were assassinated, April and June. You're welcome. I learned something. <laughs> uh, it's easy to think that everyone except for jerks were on board during the civil rights era, and the song written as uh, the same year that those assassinations happened seemed like especially important because the songwriter is on the right side of history. Mm-hmm. And most people were not. And um, this recording with Dion, fun fact, has a flugelhorn. Flugelhorn is just a fun word to say, <laughs> much less a fun instrument to listen to. Yeah, why? It's like a it's like a dumb trumpet. It is kind of like a dumb trumpet. <laughs> That's but what it is. Flugelhorn is yeah. German for dumb trumpet. Yep. Uh, definitely a very emotionally charged song, and I had a bit of an epiphany, kind of thinking about the message. You know, the songs about the assassination of these four social icons and people who were fighting for ideas that seemed to be clear and obvious to us from the perspective of the year 2020, but were clearly not so clear to, and obvious to people in their own times. You know, as a philosopher and a man of science and rationality, it often seems to me that like if your social cause is on the right track the reasoning behind it ought to be essentially self-evident but you know whenever you explain to someone that all men are created equal and that race is this arbitrary criteria for segregation and discrimination it should be instantly obvious to like any rational person that this is correct but the unfortunate truth is that these sorts of ideas are often seen as like radical and misguided when framed within a society that doesn't already operate under those principles and 
these men are all dead, not because of some harmful act or like miscalculated risk, but simply because someone was like so terrified of these so-called radical ideas that they were espousing. And, you know, while we we have to draw the line somewhere when it comes to like listening to views that oppose our own songs like this and the events that inspired it should kind of serve as that reminder that the truths we support aren't always so self-evident to others. And like we owe it to them and to those who are oppressed and subjugated to kind of find ways to break through those hardened hearts rather than like turning our backs on them. Yeah, it's shocking how radical it is that people of color and women have feelings like everybody right, yeah. else like feelings and internal lives yeah exactly it's, it's it seems so obvious to us but it's so strange that that's not so obvious to people in the past as like, like i i find it so shocking that people still today yeah me exactly think that like there is a depth of human experience that every human no matter who they yeah, are we all share and although i live my own internal life other people have their own internal lives yeah. and they're just not there for my, I guess, experience of life. Right. Exactly. So shocking. Sorry. You can tell I've got in my feels on this one. That's all right. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about some important things. Yeah. Important people and important things. Um, Charlie, he brings this. This is like the most awkward band name ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Inbreds and Amelia Earhart. Pack your So low key and flat singer wise, mm -hmm. and the delivery is just so hilarious compared to like this like upbeat background. Yeah, and I'm like, also I don't know how much this is actually about Amelia Earhart. Yeah, sure. I don't know. I don't think so either. But... I, I think it's more about like some boo, but yeah. like I love the fact that like Earhart's like she's fine. She's an excellent navigator. Even if she's in a boat for some reason, I don't know why she's in the <laughs> boat, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So this one has the sort of tangential hit, hints about being about Amelia Earhart, like sa sailing away in the clouds and being an excellent navigator, but it also seems to have a few extra layers to it as well that kind of give it a bit of universality and kind of leave it open to some interpretations. Uh, musically, this one's especially interesting. The guitars kind of go back and forth between this grimy, clean sound and a fuzzed out, distorted sound, which brings a lot of texture to the song. And the bass plays a lot of the lead notes and kind of occasionally steps out front for just a few seconds at a time which moves your focus around in the mix rather than just being the static foundation for guitars and vocals 
Uh, and vocally, this one goes from that sort of disaffected grunge tone and like transitions into the poppy oohs and ahs and like this really optimistic vocal melody that kind of give the chorus a really hopeful and jubilant, jubilant sound that kind of contrasts nicely with the more apprehensive feel of the verses. Uh, this one definitely takes the listener on a journey through moods and textures, not unlike Amelia Earhart's journey through the clouds and across the sky. And through the Bermuda Triangle. Yep, where she probably disappeared and... She, she's she found her way to an alternate dimension probably she's fine she's an she's excellent, excellent navigator, navigator. <laughs> so yeah i really i like that concept like a lot i like any time a girl's like this ain't a boys club anymore right exactly like any any chick that's like y'all kind of fuck off yeah hold, hold my makeup compact watch this mostly i love any <laughs> I woman know. that says f the makeup compact mostly because i hate makeup no sure of course i mean Every woman can do their own thing, but I am lazy. Yeah, sure. And I'm gonna enjoy the fact that I don't hold, hold my bobby pins. I'm gonna, I don't know, my, something was super. Was it my little clip? Oh no, my yeah. my ponytail holder. Yeah. Now that my hair is no longer swoopy, because I like to say my hair is as long as my nursing career. Ooh, that's that's true. Yeah. Every single time somebody's like, "Ooh, your hair's gotten long." Um, Joshua T. Oh, Joshua T. knows the way to my heart. Uh, he brought Leonard Cohen's story of Isaac then my father built an altar he looked once behind his shoulder he knew I would not hide you who build the altars now to sacrifice these children you must not do it anymore a scheme is not a vision and you never have been tempted by a demon or a god you who stand above them now your hatchets blunt and bloody you were not there before father's hand was trembling with the beauty of the word dude this has a jaw harp in it yeah i think that's jaw harp very faintly kind of yeah you know, wow, wow. like it's so light that i yeah. didn't notice it until just now where i just motioned i was like is that jaw harp and you're yeah. like yeah that's yeah, jaw harp. Is, yeah <laughs> yeah um first of all this is baby leonard cohen yeah it's definitely a young yeah, he's like so young. And um I love a take from Isaac's perspective, which must have been mostly like WTF. My dad about to murder yeah. me after like being told randomly to murder me. So that must have been difficult and they always talk about faith when it comes to that. Right. Um one of the most influential books in my first college years was uh, Fear and Trampling by Soren Kierkegaard. Yeah, of course. Which um, still think most of that's made up because I was not a philosophy major. Like, <laughs> teleological, whatever. Um, it's, <laughs> it, it's like all about the interpretation of this specific story and how it has to do with faith and like taking the leap into the void and such. But Leonard Cohen, when he uses biblical references, is just always so good like he can always get down to like the bone of a story and make it so good and also there's like this uh, accusatory tone that isaac takes especially it's like hey dad be drinking some wine and about ready to murder me yeah i don't know and, how i feel about that yeah so i i thought that was like super 
awesome and fascinating. And I just, I know Leonard Cohen lived a long life, but still gone too soon. Yeah, so as the song begins, it's very poetic, and uh, it's like a very poetic and evocative retelling of the story of Abraham waking his son Isaac in the middle of the night after having a vision that God commanded Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. And in the biblical story, Abraham builds this altar and like is just about to go through with killing Isaac, but is stopped by an, by an angel. Like in the in the second half of the song, though, Leonard Cohen kind of stretches the metaphor to modern times, where like entire nations are willing to sacrifice their children for the sake of some indeterminate future generation like just sending young folks off to fight and die in wars and some of which may be necessary but most of which are like predicated on these earthly desires and earthly fears and prejudices uh but in this modern case there's no angel to stop the hand as we go to sacrifice our children you know we blindly follow through and in turn we're just like devastating the future and in the final lines, Cohen draws this like poignant distinction between a man of peace like Abraham, who will kill if he must, but will always strive to help when he can. And then there's a man of war like most politicians and ideologues who will only help if they must, but strive to kill when they can. And like Cohen also uses this imagery of Isaac seeing a bird as they climb the mountain to Abraham's altar. And like Isaac is unsure if it was an eagle or a vulture. And one bird invokes this sense of like freedom and majesty. And the other one has this sense of dread and death. And, you know, this sort of charges us with like questioning our motivations as we move towards violence or sacrifice. Like, are we striving to be eagles or are we striving to be, or are we actually being vultures in the situation? You know. So as a philosophy major, Mm -hmm. Leonard Cohen, is yeah. he like your fave? I mean, Cohen's pretty great. I have a big uh, place in my heart for Leonard Cohen. He's written some of the like most poignant lyrics that could be written. You know, some of his singing and and songwriting, as far as the music, give or take, he's got some gorgeous. So, I mean, obviously, Hallelujah is like the cliche thing, but yeah. I mean, it's a brilliantly written and composed song. And it took like years, I would imagine. Well, no, like literally years. Like, there's a whole podcast about how long it took. At like. Who's that guy who did like, oh, I can't even remember his name and I should, but he talks about how long it took Leonard Cohen to finally perfect that song and then like everybody else sings it so much. Right. It's in Shrek. I mean like. Yeah. That makes you feel so bad when it's, it's Yeah. In Shrek. It's so weird, but like, man, have, it's, it's, it's a beautifully written song, like no matter how you cut it. Although I, that, <laughs> that Jeff Buckley version. Yeah. Jeff Buckley was the first version I ever heard. Yeah. And of course, like it's got Memphis ties too, because yeah, exactly. Jeff Buckley died. He drowned in the Mississippi River. He drowned in the Mississippi Whoops River. Whoops a doodle. <laughs> Dude, be careful around the Mississippi. Yeah, shit don't um, play. But I want to com- like your construction of this show song flow today. Yeah. I want to point out super Man, good. Man, I try like, to think about that sort of you, stuff. You, you did know. a good job today. Thank be- you very much. Because this next song with Justin W., it's Killer Mike's Reagan fits perfectly into your theme. It is not. The end of the Reagan era. I'm like Lemma 12 Old enough to understand the shit that changed forever. They declared the war on drugs like a war on terror. But what it really did was let the police terrorize whoever. But mostly black boys. But they would call us niggas. And lay us on our belly while they fingers on their triggers. They boots was on our head. They dogs was on our crotches. And they would beat us up if we had diamonds on our watches. And they would take our drugs and monies as they pick our pockets. I guess that that's the privilege 
Georgia policing for some profit. But thanks to Reaganomics, prison turned to profits. Cause free labor's the cornerstone of US economics. Cause slavery was abolished unless you are imprisoned. You think I am bullshitting, then read the 13th Amendment. Involuntary servitude and slavery, it prohibits. That's why they giving drug offenders time in double digits. Ronald Reagan was an actor, not at all a factor. Just an employee of the country's real masters. Just like the Bushes, Clinton and Obama. Just another talking head telling lies on teleprompters. If you don't believe the theory, then argue with this logic. Why did Reagan and Obama both go after Gaddafi? We invading sovereign soil, going after oil. Taking countries to the hobby, paid for by the oil lobby. Same as in Iraq. So you were talking earlier about like politicians sending children to war and everything mm-hmm. like that. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That is like a perfect uh, metaphor of what's happening here in this song. Uh, Killer Mike, which with the name like Killer Mike, you're like, uh, oh, is he a juggalo? Um, but he's so smart. Like Run the Jewels, a very smart hip hop duo. Oh, for and sure. And then anytime I listen to anything from Killer Mike, he's so knowledgeable yeah, exactly. about like whatever he puts together is so poignant. Like when he's doing anything, be it with run the jewels or just by himself, it's like so genius and on the point. And the fact that he doesn't, he doesn't just call out Reagan who has been idolized by half the country for what? 30 years now. Right. Yeah. Um, He's pointing out that, Hey, Obama went off Gaddafi. Yeah. Why? Why do you think they both did? It's because oil profits. And exactly. He just so deftly cuts to like the source of the problem and like even hits people, you know, to their marrow. Cause like putting Obama and Reagan in the same oh, yeah. position is like, oh, wait, yeah. Also, you should always be able to criticize your like. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah, I want to start by saying that there's uh, there's obviously nothing wrong with like enjoying rap and hip hop that happen to be about trivially trivial things or about material things. You but, mean going up on a Tuesday? Right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that if that gets you hype, makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. But man, nothing can shake you quite like some political rap. And like Killer Mike is one of the smartest, most talented in the game. Uh, in the song, he points out how Reagan's policies were ostensibly about combating terrorism and overthrowing these dictatorships, but ultimately those policies gave domestic police free reign to terrorize blacks and other minority communities Uh, and they were quick to condemn and demonize the crack epidemic but never acknowledged that the u.s government was like complicit in putting those drugs on the street and you know we set up a society where lower income folks are trapped in poverty and it looks like the only way to to progress and acceptance is to join a gang and sell drugs and like kill your rivals and all these sorts of things are demonized by politicians and, and made into talking points when their own policies and political choices started these problems in the first place. And, you know, like you said, even though he takes out a lot of anger on Reagan here, he points to both of the Bushes, Clinton and Obama, as all being equally culpable in enforcing these, like, imperialist foreign policies and, like, perpetuating inequality here at home. And I just find it so interesting that, like, old white folks want to call rap music crap and, like, all these rappers talk about is drugs and cars and women, but then someone like Killer Mike, like, crafts a song like this one using some $10 vocabulary words and, like, spouting well-informed and verifiable facts about the way things are and, you know, the crotchety conservatives have no real response for that and just further demonize people of color, like, why is he so angry and negative? He don't like America. He can get out. (laughs) 
And so, yeah, ain't, ain't no pleasing old white folks, apparently. Yeah, well, they also think that, like, HIV is, like, something that's not their problem. Right, yeah. That's... Even though a lot of, like, people got HIV through blood transfusions way mm-hmm. back in the day, too. With hepatitis C, too. Yeah. Hepatitis C, they're never going to acknowledge that. But, you know, I could get on my soapbox all day about so many things. I'm, I'm sure you could. <laughs> yes, Amy has opinions. We, we all have our, our soapboxes. You happen to have most of the soap. You have most soapboxes. Yeah. Also, uh, cilantro does taste like soap. I had this conversation with someone <laughs> earlier today. I'm so glad that I enjoy cilantro and don't have whatever gene it is that makes you think it tastes like soap. I accidentally ended up with some cilantro in my mouth last night because I was trying to eat a radish off Dakota's plate and there was like a ton of cilantro and it felt like an old lady's perfume exploded in my mouth. Mm-hmm. What's it taste like to you? I mean, it just tastes like delicious seasoned herb to me, you know. Uh, it's tastes, good. It's it delicious. kind of like, like salty with just a, a hint of bitterness to it. You know that old lady smell? That's what cilantro That's what cilantro like smells like. Like bad old lady soap. Sorry. Yeah, nah. Not to judge any old ladies. Sorry. Right, yeah. It's not your fault. Yeah, no. She just likes cilantro. Um, if you want to tweet at us about cilantro opinions... I'm at Pow I Gotcha. I'm at Madam Wolle, and the show is at E&D Pod. Facebook group, Earbuds and Earworms podcast group, and the voicemail line is... 731-400-BUDS or... 731-400-2837. You can email the show, andypod at gmail.com, which is actually how we got our uh, submission, I think, from... Jason V. Yeah, it's true. Uh, podcaster Emeritus. Yes, Podcaster Emeritus <laughs> Jason V. Um, and you can always check out the show, andypod.com, part of the 10710 Network. What's our final song? I'm going to leave us with They Might Be Giants and their song, Meet James Ensor. Uh, yeah, whenever Amy presented this theme, this is the first song that came to mind. Uh, James Ensor, as you'll hear, was a, a Belgian expressionist painter, had a huge influence on the expressionist and surrealist movements in art. And I think his story kind of acts as this interesting microcosm of what it means to be a historical influence. You know, early in his career, art critics saw him as like far too scandalous and too political, uh, considered him kind of a novelty. But as he continued to do his thing and his work continued to be displayed, people came around and like begun to understand the heart of his artwork and he became a big deal for a little while and everybody would like travel these great distances to come and see his work and then once his influence had kind of taken hold and other artists had incorporated and assimilated to the progress that he had made people kind of forgot all about him and he was replaced with this new set of artistic pioneers and he died pretty lonely and isolated and now he barely makes the footnotes in most people's idea of art history. But, I will say I did not learn about him in art history. Yeah, a lot of people, you know, he's just kind of a, a barely a footnote, but like had huge influence on surrealism, especially uh, in his work. He had a fascination with death and the grotesque, like one of his famous self portraits is like just a skeleton wearing his clothes. Uh, but he juxtaposed like the dark subject matter with these really bright colors and like this atmosphere of happiness and revelry. And they might be giants kind of pay sort of tribute to that with this very upbeat, happy song about James Ensor that also incorporates references to his isolationism and his like darker fixations. They have a line, dig him up and shake his hand. Uh, It's just such a brilliant and catchy song and taught me a little bit about our history. So I'll leave you this week with They Might Be Giants inviting you to meet James Ensor. Meet James Ensor, Belgium's famous painter. Appreciate the man Before there were junk stores Before there was junk He lived with people
appreciate it.